This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Jesus takes away the sin, and when he takes away the sin, this is the important thing that we need to understand as believers in Christ. God will remember it as far as east or the west. He will remember no more. Psalms chapter 103, verse 12, the psalmist write this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Removed, that's it. As far as the east is from the west. We as sinners received redemption when Jesus came to this world and died on the cross because he took away all of our sins with him, allowing us to be cleansed. However, because we're not perfect, we sin again. Pastor Eddie explains in today's message how God forgives all your sins and completely forgets about them when you repent and ask forgiveness from him. All he asks in return is that you develop a relationship with him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. As he continues his message, Jesus, High Priest of a Better Covenant. Now, the Old Testament, again, spoke of a promise of a new covenant. This time, the Jews would probably at least recall the prophet Jeremiah spoke of a new covenant. They probably, I wonder how many Jews before uh, Christ came in the scene had ever looked at that text and realized, well, we got this covenant. In Levitical covenant, we, we go through the Torah, we go through everything, and it's speaking of a new covenant. They couldn't understand that because the new covenant is through Christ. He needs to come, you see. But it was promised. And if there is a promise of a new covenant, then that means the first covenant, the first covenant was not sufficient. That should go into minds. Why would we need a new covenant? The first covenant was sufficient. And so if God established a new covenant, that would mean that there would be something lacking in the old covenant. And yes, it did. Now remember, keep in mind, we we studied this about the law. Paul tells us the law is holy, it's spiritual, it's perfect. But it never made anyone perfect. The law is perfect because the law points us to God. The law was never given for man to fulfill. It's impossible for man to fulfill the first one. There's 613 commandments. But you can't fulfill the first one of the first 10 the moral laws. Thou shalt have no other God before me. But it was never given for man to fulfill only the Messiah, number one. Number two, it just points the fact that we are sinful and he's a holy God. That's the purpose of the law. So it was perfect, but it made no one perfect. Who had to make someone perfect? Not the law, but Jesus, you see. It is through Christ. And so there's nothing wrong with the old covenant. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. There was everything wrong with the people. Everything wrong with the people. Over and over again, the people would break the law, the covenant. They would go against it. 
And this is why the high priest had to, over and over again, offer up sacrifice for the atonement of sin. And so the writer, when now he's, what he's going to do, he's going to quote that prophecy spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. It's a prophecy he gave back in the Old Testament, the you know, in Jeremiah, in the book named after him, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. Chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. And he's going to quote that in the very remainder part, most part of this passage. As a matter of fact, this is the largest Bible quote in the book of Hebrews. Because you know the writer of Hebrews, he went to rabbinical school, something before he gave his life to Christ. But he's been quoting scriptures to prove his point. And now he's going to make a long quote, quoting from Jeremiah. And so let's look at verse 8 and through 9. He said, because finding fault with them, speaking of the covenant, he says, and here's the quote of Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. A new covenant. And as soon as God said, There's going to be a new covenant. Now, this is a prophecy around 586 B.C., okay? 586 B.C. by the prophet Jeremiah. As soon as he said, I'm going to make a new covenant, at the very hour that the prophet Jeremiah said these words, it has made the old covenant temporary. Right off the bat, right there, it was temporary. As soon as he prophesied that. And that was the point. God wanted to let them know this is temporary. Why? Look at verse 9. He said, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. That's when they were set free from the bondage of slavery. And God took them by the hand. He made this covenant. The first covenant God made with Israel. You'll find that Exodus chapter 24 verses 1 through 8. Why a new covenant? Read on at the end of verse 9. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. And we've seen that over and over again as we study how God dealt with the children of Israel. The children of Israel, God delivered them out of bondage. And what did they do? They complained. We need to go back to Egypt. You know, the food was good there. Yeah, we were dying. We were slaves. But hey, the food was good there. Or they committed adultery, created a calf, the golden calf. Or they wanted to elect their own leader, disregarding God's choice of Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 14. And again, again, after all these commandments and all these laws, they continue to break them. And so over and over again, you know, something needed to save them. And it, the old covenant couldn't do it. it was the, with the old covenant, it was do this and live. <laughs> that was it. Do this and you shall live. This is what the Lord said to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1. It says, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgment which I teach you to observe that you may live. Obviously, you know, they were going to die when the time comes. But if they didn't obey this, then they will die a lot sooner than planned. And so when the people of Israel sin, the priests have to make sacrifice of animals. Again, only covered the sin, but never took away the sin. However, with the new covenant through Jesus Christ, through the new covenant through Jesus Christ, Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 28, he says, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission 
of sin. You see, we both, the old and the new covenant, there had to be a shedding of blood. But there's only one blood that could permanently take away sin, not cover it. And that's the blood of Christ. And that's what makes Jesus' blood far better and more superior. It wasn't of animal. It was through our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so, Jesus takes away the sin. And when he takes away the sin, this is the important thing that we need to understand. As believers in Christ, God will remember it as far as east or the west. He will remember no more. Psalms chapter 103, verse 12, the psalmist write this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Removed, that's it. As far as the east is from the west. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, he says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in the heart. Now, this portion right here is very important. He said, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in the heart. It's speaking of the eternal. This is new for them. It's speaking of the eternal. Write them in their mind and in their hearts. And he goes on to say, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor. That is speaking of the external. Okay? So before with the old covenant, with the law, it was external. Do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't. And it was visual. We can actually see it. But with the new law is eternal. He says in verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me. And so eternally with the new covenant, by the blood of Christ, through grace, not by the law. He said, for all should know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. This is how God planned it from the very beginning. So with religion, with the Old Testament, the Tanakh, it was all outward. You had to do this. You had to wear this. You had to not wear that. It was all do's and don'ts. Do, do, do. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> right? 613 commandments, 248 do's, 365 don'ts. Or it's the other way around. But it's split between 248 and 30, 236. All 613 commandments. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26, 27. The Lord spoke to the prophet through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. No more stones. That's where he's speaking of tablets. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue. And I will keep my judgment and you will keep my judgments and do them. Later on, Paul, in his second letter to the church of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, he says clearly, he says, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not of ink, that's external, but by the spirit of the living God, internal, not of tablets of stone, external, but of tablets of flesh, internal, that is of the heart. You know, it's everything with religion, legalism, it's all about rituals, do this, don't do that, face to the east, pray three times a day, even in the Christian, in Christian, I mean, in, in certain denominations and certain uh, Christians, they, oh, we got to do it this way, we have to do it that way, we have to do this, oh, if we don't do this, you know, it's all legalism. 
It's all legalism. And, you know, there's, there's things in scripture that are prescriptive and some things are descriptive. Most of it is descriptive and they think because it's descriptive, oh, we have to do it. It's not prescriptive. It's because you see someone doing it. That means it has to be done. It was never said to do it. And then there's other passages to confirm it. And so you have many religions that, you know, put too much emphasis and trust on the outward works, on the outward appearance. You got to dress holy. You know, everything's all outward. They miss the point. They miss the point. Because with the new covenant, it's clear that God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Not what you do outwardly, but what you do inwardly. He looks at the heart. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees during Christ's days, the Pharisees were the most holiest dressed people on the planet. They dressed holy, but their hearts were corrupt. And Jesus called them out. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 to 28, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. You look good, but you're dead pretty much. (laughs) A tomb, it looks really nice. Tombstone (laughs) in the grave. Whitewashed tomb, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to laymen, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We use that terminology, don't judge a book by its cover, because we know it. It's logical sense. Don't judge a book by its cover. You know, it's not a biblical verse, that cliche, by the way. But we get the point, okay? Don't say, hey, that's a good verse. What verse is it? No, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> the point is that we see that Christ looks at the heart. It's not the outward. It's not what's in the outside. In fact, God himself said this as well. You remember when the Lord was calling a new, wanted ordained a new king, right? He was looking for David, actually. And Samuel said, oh, this man looks like the one, you know? And it wasn't him, because this is what the Lord said to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. We love to do that. But I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, that we need to also know, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. Quite often, you know, this is where legalism and, you know, and religion, it works its way. It, it works its way by doing this. And people say, oh, that looks holy. I need to do that. Oh, that clothing, that outfit looks holy. Uh, let me wear that. Meanwhile, the hearts are corrupt. And what that can do, it works its way in changing people's mind, you know, externally, and it works internally as well. Something called behavior modification. I had to learn some of this stuff. (laughs) But it's another way of saying it is calling it the carrot and the stick. The carrot and the stick. If you do what I say, you get the carrot. If you don't do what I say, you get the stick. So what you want to do? You want the carrot. So you're going to do what they say, (laughs) right? And that's what religion does. Do this and you'll be holy. You'll be like me. (laughs) Well, you don't want to be like me. (laughs) That's for sure. You don't want to be like Eddie. (laughs) You want to be like Jesus. And that works from the inside. And that's how God works. He works from the inside out. The heart needs to change. 
And God could change a heart. He can't change your mind. And that's where repentance begins. Repentance begins by, you know, I realize that I need a savior. I realize that my life is a mess. And it's only, it works its way. So repentance comes by a thought. This world is a mess. I'm not happy. I, I need something. There's something in my life that's empty. And there's a void in my life. And I need something. And I think about that. Then when you start looking at Christ, and you look at the cross, then it works its way 18 inches from the mind to the heart. And then there you repent of your sins. And you repent means to turn around, change your way of thinking, change your way of living. And now not living the life you used to live. And now live for Christ. And your life is changed. And then there, there's where God starts working in you they start changing your thought patterns are different you don't watch the same tv programs anymore but it's offensive to god you know that when you turn on the tv and you're sitting down god is in my heart he's sitting next to me would i watch that with him sitting next to me but he's in my heart why would i want to watch that I wouldn't want to say the things. I don't want to speak my mind. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And we keep doing that. We're not going to have a mind left. (laughs) But no, wait a minute. What would Jesus do? Right? They used to wear that WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? We need to be Christ-like. And so that changes. And that's what the law, the new covenant does through Christ, the finished work. So let's finish up in verse 12. He says this. It says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. The new covenant is mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve the wrath of God. That's why Christ took the wrath of God. He said, Lord, this cup shall pass me. The cup of wrath, we deserve that. Jesus didn't sin, we did. Jesus deserved to go to the cross, we do. That's why we take communion, because We could take the cup of communion to remember uh, the cup that we really deserve was the cup of wrath. But mercy, not getting what you do deserve. But I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. I mean, what the prophet Jeremiah prophesied, it would have made me so excited in his day, right? Whereas the law was inflexible and unbending through Christ, the new covenant, sins are totally forgiven and totally forgotten. Simple as that. Sin, totally forgiven, totally forgotten. Where you may remember your sins, but God does it. What are you remembering about? Why are you recalling your sin if you confess those sins and repented of those sins? Or you have the enemy who, oh, he'll like to remind you of your sins. As they always say, if the enemy reminds you of your sin, you remind me of his future, right? But don't spend time with the enemy. Don't entertain him. Michael, the archangel, rebuked him in the book of Jude. He says, the Lord rebuked him. He didn't argue with him. Or, you know, the enemy wants to do it, rub it in your face and give guilt, but God remembers them no more. And for the believer in Christ, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I love this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then again, I want to read it again. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so as far he has removed our transgressions from us. And so saints, listen. This is what it is. God forgives and God forgets. Don't let the enemy lie to you. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. 
condemnation that Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 8, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is conviction, and we want that. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Hey, you know, you messed up here. Let us repent of that sin, and let us do better the next time. That is conviction. I pray for conviction all the time, because I want to be more and more like Jesus. There's still, trust me, a lot of me that needs to go. <laughs> I'm not yet in his presence, in glorified body. It's what Paul tells us in Philippians. Is he who began a good work in you at the cross will complete it unto the day of Christ. When is the day of Christ when we stand before him? So we need to be patient with each other. We need to be patient with ourselves. And don't let the enemy knock you down. We're under the new covenant. We're not under the old covenant. We come before him. He already paid for our sins. When we come to the cross, he paid for he, we forgiven of our sins in the past, present, and future. Are we still going to sin? Yes. Just because we're believers doesn't mean we don't sin. We're not sinners in the sense that we practice sin. We live in sin. Or we're a slave to sin. But we do mess up every now and then. In verse 13, and we close. In that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, by this time, again, the first reader of Hebrews, the temple was still standing. It was destroyed in 70 AD. So this letter is believed to be written before that because that is the reason why the Jewish believers were tempted to go back to the temple, back to the priests. And he's pointing out to them, no, we already have Jesus. That's all a shadow of things to come. And we have a new covenant. He came. He conquered sin and death. He's now seated at the right hand of God. That temple, well, they didn't know it was going to, so they didn't know it was going to go away. (laughs) That was going to be destroyed by that time, but it was. That was the last high priest to the Jews. Those are in Judaism. The last high priest at the temple, 70 AD. This time, there's no high priest. And so, the Old Testament is this. With the Old Covenant, the laws of Moses was do, do, do. With the New Covenant through Christ, it is done, done, done. With the Old Covenant was the law. The New Covenant's grace. The Old Covenant was exterior. The New Covenant's internal. The Old Covenant was obey to live. The New Covenant is live to obey. Praise God for our great high priest. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you're better than the angels, the prophets, and Moses. Lord, you're our great high priest. And Lord, you are forever interceding for us. You're forever ministering to us in the heavens of heavens. And Lord, we thank you for the new covenant that was only done by your blood at the cross. So, Lord, we love you. We bless your name. We thank you for your son, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. 
Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.